You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob and Ty Bo. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Ty Bob. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ty underscore Bob underscore. Uh, we are also joined by our other co-host, Ty Bo. Make sure to follow him and the show at uh, Bob in Bo Show. Again, that's at Bob in Bo Show. Uh, we are uh, proud and happy to be joined by our good friend, Sean Wilson, as a special guest uh, to join us today. Uh, talk a little bit of shop, maybe get a feel out for the show. We'll see how it goes. Um, to get a quick house cleaning uh, moving forward as we are right around the corner from week one. That's on September 11th. Uh, Chiefs do kick off at 325 in Rest Phoenix, in Arizona. <laughs> um just a quick house cleaning we are going to have uh a change in the shows than what you guys have heard over the last two three years um we're going to be coming out with some shorter formed episodes up to four a week uh chief centric and nfl centric so be looking on those on our normal drop dates on wednesdays and fridays of a chief show and an nfl show we got some new and exciting content coming from you and if you're listening to us on youtube or if you're on our audio platforms make sure to go check out our youtube um we're just going to be putting up our video there uh now which is going to be pretty cool there's no going to be no more um just our logo with our voices uh so that's why you'll also be hearing a difference in the audio uh with no background music or anything like that uh you'll just be seeing uh, our lovely faces uh, or non-lovely faces, however you wish to see it. I don't think either of ours is that lovely. Well, you can't see half of mine because it's just covered in beard, which is nice. Well, yours too. It... <laughs> um, with that said, we have finished up our final preseason game with a win against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they did a wonderful little tribute to QB1 Lenny Dawson. Um we Which did not... I need to correct myself from a couple uh, podcasts ago. I called him a lefty because I was absolutely certain that Len Dawson was a left-hander, but he was not. Uh, he threw with his right. So <laughs> I apologize for uh, mis misspeaking previously. To, to your point, he did roll out left quite often and throw across his body or the little dump-offs out left. So I get where that could come from. Uh, but they did do that cool little tribute uh, at the beginning uh, with just the the huddle, um, which was pretty neat. Uh, and I think that was something that we missed in our last recording uh, just because the news had come out after we had uh, ended recording. Um, so it is sad to see a legend not only in the game, but a legend in the media as well. Uh, one thing for that sure, I didn't for know sure. for a long time uh, was Lenny uh did broadcasting while he was still playing. So he would do his game and then he would go and do live broadcasting uh, uh, for HBO while he was still currently playing. That is interesting. I did not know that. Fun fact Absolutely of unheard of. For all the listeners. Absolutely but, unheard I mean, of. There's man who no was way. De dedicated to the craft. Like he wanted to be in journalism, it sounded like, so... He did. He did a great job, and there's a reason why he was able to stay in media for so long after his career yeah. was over. Uh, and he was one of the pioneers for HBO. Like the HBO would not have had any of the football or NFL things that they have today if it were not for 
Lynn Dawson. Sure. Um, Legend of the game. The, the city loves him. He will be missed. Rest in peace. Well, so finishing out that game, uh, Patrick uh, and maybe a couple of other starters really only played like a snap, didn't get much in. Um, the rest of the game was kind of a blur. Uh, it was mainly just a bunch of guys that we have no idea what their names were, even though uh, they were out on the field for a while and um, just finishing out the roster spots. With that said, Tybo, I believe you are going to talk about the offense and what is left after uh, the final day of cuts, which was today. I believe it was uh, this morning. Yeah, and uh, the offense, for the most part, looked pretty good. A um, couple of breakdowns in the run game, um, but you know, Pacheco picked it up. Rojo apparently played his way onto the roster. Um, the only the only real questionable decision that um, sticks out to me as far as the offensive cuts go is us keeping three quarterbacks. Um, I thought that was odd as well. Yeah, I don't think it's normal for us, but they liked Shane Bichelle enough that he's going to stay on the squad. Um, um, and what that what that essentially led to, we let go of another receiver that we might have hung on to. I feel like Josh Gordon, uh, Cornell Powell, and uh, Doris Doris Fountain. Um, those three guys right there, um, you know, rank them however you want to, but both show flashes of being something worth keeping on a roster. Um, and so that we go into the with the regular season with three quarterbacks and only five receivers when, you know, we could have had six easily. Um, <clears throat> but six one way, half a dozen the other. We're keeping guys like Jody Fortson and Noah Gray on the team because they both shown that they can be dynamic. Um, so overall, offensive roster cuts, nothing too unexpected. Um, sad to see a guy like um, I might pronounce his first name wrong, but uh, Vit- Vitali German, the guy who Vitaly. was first to practice. Um, every day uh, through through camp and everything. Um, you hate to see guys like that go because you know they have a really good work ethic and you know they want to be there. Um, but like I said, nothing too surprising. Um, maybe maybe Austin, uh, letting go of Austin Ryder, uh, depth at center. Um, but uh, it's nothing that I'm worried about, really. Um, I'm happy we kept Kennard. I lo- I'd like to see how he develops, even though he had a shaky preseason. Um but definitely like to see what he what he looks like a year or two down the line. Yeah, and and don't forget we still have sixteen uh, practice squad spots. They did open that up after last season or during the pandemic. From I believe it was the original eight or ten that mm-hmm. they allowed. So we do still have sixteen, and all sixteen are currently open as everybody goes through their cuts. Um, so expect to see a guy like Vitali um, and Cornell Powell. Uh, come back and go on uh, and especially Darius Fountain go back onto uh, the practice squad to be brought up. I know Darius uh, was a guy who got brought up late last season uh, after some injuries. So expect uh, the practice squad to be uh, filibustered with wide receivers galore. Sure. Um, we did have some changes just a little bit on the defensive side. 
Uh, sadly, a guy like Danny Shelton did not make the team. I, personally, I don't feel like he had enough time uh, at camp. Um, but realistically, when you look at him, I didn't feel like he was in the best shape to be able to come in and, and make the team. I am surprised that we're only carrying four defensive tackles. That's Chris Jones, Derek Noddy, Colin Sanders, and uh, Tershawn Wharton, Turk. Um, those guys have been pretty sound. We've kept them around for three years now at, at minimum. I think this is Turk's third season. Um, so they do have some chemistry together. They work well together. I would expect to see some changes on that side. We also only go in with four linebackers in uh, Bolton, Gay, Chanel, and uh, Harris. Um, it was good to see Harris actually make the team um, and stick around. I think he's going to be a good practice squad player. Um, with Bell going on the IR, he's coming back. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was that was one thing that Herbie uh, did talk about on Twitter today with Bell uh, waiting for the 53 to be finalized. Uh, Blake Bell will go on to the uh, injured reserve, which means that he is eligible to come back after six weeks. I believe they did make that distinctive change also during the pandemic and going to go ahead and keep that, which I think is fantastic. Uh, which allows Elijah Lee, who's a big time uh, special teams player and homebred. There's my dog for you. Uh, homebred uh, player. Uh, he he came out of uh, uh, one of the Blue Valley schools uh, to come out and play. Uh, we do kick off with six defensive ends. Uh, obviously, Carl Loftus, uh, Dunlap, uh, Frank Clark, uh, Kando, and then Malik Herring, which was not too big of a surprise. Not a whole lot of people recognize his name, but like Tybo and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, there is going to be um, quite a bit of rotational pieces going on there to keep everybody fresh. Uh, we also at corner have McDuffie, Sneed, uh, Fenton, as long as he can stay healthy. He's had those issues uh, during the preseason and at the end of last year. Uh, we're also going to have the rookies in Williams and Watson. And then Chris Lamons, who we talked about uh, just after preseason game two, who was able to seal the game in that interception. Um, expect for him to be able to come in and dabble a little bit, especially if Rashad Fenton is going to have those injuries. And then we'll finish off with our safeties in four of them, all young guys ready to go. We've got the long-termer uh, Justin Reed, um, who – just came in, signed that big contract. Juan Thornhill is on the final year of his contract. Let's see if the contract year can stay semi-undefeated because uh, it was completely defeated last year with the likes of uh, the Honey Badger. And then obviously the rookie in Brian Cook and Dion Bush, who we brought in uh, during the offseason. Uh, we'll see if he can come in and splash with any big names or big plays. Um, what do you? What is your, what is your takeaway with the defense and where we're set at, Tybo? Uh, definitely glad we kept Malik Herring. Um, I I feel like one he's guy, a little more. That was up? one guy you talked. That was one guy you talked yeah. about a lot in uh, in the off season. Um, knowing that, like, how excited are you to see him be able to make the roster and have a potential to make some plays? Well, he's he's not starter material, and he won't be a starter for us by any means. But he's a good depth piece, and he's somebody who. There's a lot of guys on this roster that we feel this way, but like can develop, has the has the skills, has the foundation to develop into a really solid player. Um, he's got quick hands, and I feel like he's a little more dynamic than Kando. 
Um, but he's he's somebody like you said. I've talked about him for a little bit. Um, he had good reports even coming out of OTAs. So I've had my eye on him since around that time. Um, but you know, somebody outside of Rojo who I feel like definitely played their way onto this roster in the preseason is that uh, Lamons guy. Um, he showed out, um, he showed up and stole a DB spot away from um, some of the other names that we had kind of been talking about. So, yeah, It's interesting to see how young we're going. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with the uh, management, how we feel the management team is really forcing Spags to go younger, not really being given the option, knowing that, you know, he tends to opt for the older players. Um, look at uh, Damian Wilson and uh, and Anthony Hitchens and how poor their performance was. So uh, forcing to go younger is not always a bad thing, uh, given our history, the way we've played the last few years. It's going to be nice to see the Chiefs get back to having uh, a really good defense because that's all we were known for for so long. Yeah, um, I, I, my expectations on the defense are a little <laughs> – uh, Still shaky for sure because I you were you were fielding my messages while I was at the preseason game, and I I understand the starters per se weren't out there, but a lot of guys that are going to be getting time were out there on the field, and we were seeing everything that you saw or that we're known for as far as defense goes the past few years. We they we let them run right up the middle, and the defense is and the secondary is shaky. They could you know we can. You know, it's, it almost looks like they can do whatever they want. But, like, you know, for the most part, we're good at setting edges and we're good at defending short passes. But you get somebody that, you know, knows how to throw the ball more than five, ten yards down the field, we get cut up a little bit, and then they can run the ball right up the middle. So um, yeah. that's I'm, – I'm still looking like – at best, we're still middle of the road, I feel like, on defense. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be uh, – a talking point um, and very in, in uh, I can't think of the word now uh, <laughs> instrumental um, that the defensive line plays well. Uh, we've covered it quite a bit, but they were the 29th ranked defensive line and the 29th in sacks overall as a team. It's not good. Um, no matter. I mean, we could have brought in prime Darrell Revis and it really wouldn't have mattered if you can't get pressure on the quarterback your DBs can only cover for so long because um, then the play just rolls out and there's not really any structure to a play. You're just kind of guessing on where somebody yeah. may end up. And so uh, if we can, if we can hammer home that, uh, that, that defensive line, make it a point of contrition, um, I would expect this defense to play a lot better. Um, it's possible that with the speed that we have at linebacker, uh, especially with having Brian Cook come in and a guy like Dion Bush watch for a lot of safety blitzes and be able to get after the quarterback, put on some pressure, especially in d division rivalries. We have to play against guys with legs like Russell and Jay Herb. And, you know, if you know, my expectations might be a little low, but if they get creative and they prove me wrong, then, you know, we're, we're looking at a deep run in the playoffs, like no doubt. So it's <laughs> I can see it. It's it's definitely going to be up in the air. Um, but before we jump into what the rest of or what the season holds for us, 
uh, or what our final thoughts thoughts are before we jump into uh, the season. I believe Tybo has a long-awaited top five for us. Yeah, Twitter requested um, definitely um, a, a top five you want to pay attention to because I like my opinions. Um, this came from <laughs> <laughs> this came from one of our listeners at Cody underscore Calhoun. Shout out, Cody. Appreciate the uh, the request. I really do. Um, I've, I will field as many requests as you guys send me on Twitter, and I'll do, um, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever kind of top five you want me to uh, with only like a few stipulations there, but I'm not going to say what. Um, but so I'm getting into the top five running backs in Chiefs history. And um, at, when I responded to Cody on Twitter, I was like, we have a sexy history at the running back position. And I truly believe that. It's the position that really made me fall in love with football. I never got to be a running back because I'm a fat ass. Um, but I was always a running back in, like, Madden's career mode or whatever. Like, I, I love the running back position. Um, there, when I was young – when I was growing up and really starting to get into football, there was a bunch of running backs that were really, really good at the time. Um, especially somebody who was on the chiefs, but he's going to be on the list. So I'm not giving it away. Um, I think this is pretty standard um, for anybody talking about chiefs running backs. I feel like a lot of the articles that I read um, when I was doing my homework um, mentioned this guy, but not necessarily as a top five guy, but definitely as an honorable mention. Um, but that's Joe Delaney. Um, if you don't know the Joe Delaney story, go look it up. Um, it's kind of a sad part of Chiefs history. He was a promising guy. He had 1,100 yards his rookie season, um, but had an eye injury that cost him his career. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a sad thing about our history, but he was definitely um, – he had promise. He had skill. Um, and, you know, it was – it's just one of those things that's uh, – that the – the Chiefs own it's a part of our history, and it's always it's always worth it to say something when you talk about Chiefs running backs because Joe Delaney was was big when he was a rookie man. <laughs> um, but into the actual top five, um, number five, I got by my boy Marcus Allen. Um, didn't play here very long. Used to play for one of our rivals. I let that slide because he's one of the biggest names in NFL history when you talk about the running back position. Um, but Marcus Allen, great running back. Um, he was still good for the Chiefs. Um, that's why he makes the list. Number four may be a surprise to some people, and I, I bet you most of the listeners that we have probably won't know this guy's name. Um, but it's Mr. Abner Hayes. He was basically our first running back when we became like the Dallas Texans back in the day. Um, and he averaged over five seasons, he averaged over 13 yards or 1300 yards, uh, 1300 yards and like 11 touchdowns a season. So uh, the dude was a monster as far as eating up yards, getting touchdowns, getting in the end zone. Um He's number four on our list. Number three. You know, for the newer, even, you know, he's he's not as old as Abner, but for the newer listeners, this still may be a name that we don't know. 
Um, but Christian Okoye, learn the name, get to know it. <laughs> Look Fear up some old Nigerian videos. Fear the Nigerian nightmare. Because that's one of the dopest nicknames. Um, I think it's it's one like nickname contests. Like people will vote on the best sports nickname in history. And the Nigerian nightmare is always up there. Um, and when you think about the essence of that nickname, like people were scared to go up against this guy because he was big. He was a bruiser. He was going to run you over. Um, there wasn't much stopping him from getting from point A to point B. Um, and if you did stop him, you felt it. Um, he is the, he is the essence of everything. Um, old school football, um, pounded out, you know, the old, old, so old school football, you know, when they would give a guy almost 30 carries a game. So <laughs> if you're not named Derrick Henry, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Does, he doesn't get 30 carries a game. He's had a few. Well, rightfully so. Because Derrick Henry also kind of embodies some of that. Um, not all the way, but some of that. And now here's where I have to have an aside here because one and two, one and two, as far as the top five running backs in, in Kansas City Chiefs history, is extremely hard for me. Because both Jamal Charles and Priest Holmes have bona fide credentials as far as a running back and a can't being a Kansas city running back priest Holmes has the most prolific three-year span in NFL history. No running back has ever has ever scored as many touchdowns or gotten as many yards. And maybe the touchdown thing is, is, is a lie, but nobody has had the amount of yards that he has in a three-year span. Um, I believe it's like from, 2001 to 2004, something similar to that. In the history of the game, nobody has gotten as many yards in a three-year span as Priest Holmes, a Kansas City Chief. And on the other hand, Jamal Charles is the holder of the career yards per carry among eligible running backs in NFL history. It's not – they have to have a certain amount of carries, and it can't be a quarterback. All running backs who have ever carried the rock, he has the highest yards per carry of any running back. That, in and of itself, to me, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Priest Holmes should – nah, probably not get consideration. But yeah, let me just say it's so hard to choose between those two guys. And – with the way the rankings are, I'm setting my heart aside because Priest Holmes is really who made me fall in love with the Kansas City Chiefs. No doubt. Dude. The, no doubt. The, the, the high stepping into the end zone or whatever, he like drug his feet and mm-hmm. get, get ready, the diving over the end zone at the goal line. Oh. Like nobody did it better. And I'm pissed that a charger had to pass him up for most touchdowns in the season. Like LaDainian Tomlinson is a freak. And is a really good running back, um, and another one of those guys that was running the ball around the same time. Priest Holmes, you know. But to finish off the list, I do have to go Priest Holmes at number two, and Jamal Charles at number one. Those are the top five running backs in Kansas City Chiefs history. Enough said. Solidified. I don't you think know, be any you know who's not on there. You know who's not on there that I feel. Oh, like I know who I it is. You, you might get a little upset at me. Is Larry Johnson. 
I so I did pull up his stats and the I, I thought we started to go away. I thought he was on the lower portion. Before I get into it, where do you have Larry Johnson in in that like obviously he's outside it's of the top pers- five? Where do you it's put him? Personal bias. It's personal bias because I didn't necessarily like him as a player. I think part of it was the fact that he was replacing my favorite chief of all time. Um, That's fair. But <laughs> I didn't like Larry Johnson. That's that's fair. Um, and, and he like I feel like he only had like two or three seasons of production. Like so, that's where I was going. But he would to, he like, would have to be number six. Like I don't know anybody else that could even be considered for the list. Like I, I would agree. I think he's probably somewhere between that six and eight range. Because when you when you think about Larry Johnson, it's coming in behind Pre, uh, Priest Holmes and like his production early on was very very good but then you like don't really remember where it all kind of ended yeah um it's after the concussions the concussions started to come in year three and year four you're right Tybo. he only actually had we'll give him three good years of production and that came in year three uh in 2005 he had um 336 carries for 1700 yards over 1700 yeah, i was about to say he hit 1700 once or twice yeah. right he even had two, 20 touchdowns in his third year in the NFL. Like that's 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns, and that's legitimately your first year starting. Yeah. That's insane. And then to go into year four and get 400, over 400 touches and have just a few more yards at 1,789 with 17 touchdowns, like he was a production machine. Yeah. Granted, we were also really bad and didn't have anybody to throw the ball, so we really didn't have a reason to not give Larry Johnson the ball, and that was probably where the falloff started to happen. Took too many hits, too many concussions. We see where you are now, Larry. Um, and then, you know, you fall off in 2007 with just shy of 600 yards, and then another good year of production with just shy of 200 carries, uh, at 874 yards in 2008, uh, which shortly after he was traded in 2009, jumped around to three separate teams and yeah. then was out of the league. So like you said, Tybo, you know, two, maybe three years of solid production, definitely two for sure. Um, I would think because of those two spectacular years, he's probably somewhere in the top 10, but definitely doesn't crack the top five after you talk about some of those historic names. For sure. And, you know, it does, it shows a little bit of my personal bias. Um, I do vividly remember the year of Madden that he had like a 95 or a 97 overall. Yeah, it was wild. I did use him. So use and abuse just like they did in real life. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> yep. Uh, with that, Tybo's top five, very great top five. We've got to figure out some more coming up uh, as our next show will be next um uh thursday you'll be listening to it on friday uh for our first pre-game uh review um we've got a little bit to talk about before we jump into our first pre-game review because we've got a full nfl season ahead of us folks 18 weeks one by week with seven teams on the afc and nfc in the playoffs that's here to stay it's not going anywhere in fact we may be adding in one additional game and one bye week the nfl ownership group is working on that we'll have to see when it pans out very quickly tybo i'm going to be running through these because we've already done this that was just post draft now we've had our roster cut so i'm going to run through the schedule really quickly and then we'll move on to our quick uh picks and end off the show there 
In week one, we go into Phoenix and take on the Cardinals. In week two, that's our first uh, uh, primetime game. It is Thursday, the first game on Amazon Prime. It is home against the Chargers. We then follow up going to Indy. Yes, sir. We follow up going to Indy at a noon game and taking on the Colts uh, and old Matt Ryan. Uh, We then follow up with a Sunday night uh, primetime game against the Bucks in Tampa. We then have another primetime game on Monday, ESPN against the Raiders. We then follow that up with a 325 game at home versus the Bills. We then fly to San Francisco with a midday game uh, taking on the Niners. We'll then have another Sunday night game at home against Tampa. Very possibly we'll be bringing in a close personal friend of the show who is a Titans fan to do a little bit of uh, talking before that game, one Mr. Josh Carraway. Following that Sunday night game, uh, we will go to uh, Jacksonville uh, and take on the Jaguars. We'll then fly to L.A. and take on the Chargers. We'll be at home for the next L.A. game to take on the Rams. We'll then go to Cincinnati and take on the Bengals. We will go to Denver shortly after and take on the Broncos, followed by another trip to Houston, taking on the Texans. Uh, we will then have a home game against the Seahawks and the Broncos and then finish out the season with a road trip to Vegas, taking on Derek Carr and the Raiders. Surprisingly this year, we are not finishing off with a game against the Chargers. That's the first time in, if I can remember correctly, like the last five years, it's all been last games against the Chargers. Um, So that's really surprising to see that that changes with knowing our schedule, Tybo, and finally knowing our 52-man roster, 53. how do you see 53-man roster? <laughs> I always think it's 52 for some reason. Our 53-man roster, where do you see the season finishing up for the Kansas City Chiefs? It's tough, man, because I don't want to be too cocky, but um, I definitely I'm, – I'm changing a couple of the – losses I had originally um I <laughs> I'm looking at the Bucks. I'm looking at Tom Brady I'm looking at all the uh injuries they've had on the offensive line um I think we can win that um I also originally had us losing to the Colts they haven't shown me anything impressive in the preseason and I think even with uh our tendency to be shitty against the run I and even with they have them having Jonathan Taylor I think we can win that game as well um you know Rams Bills those two games um concern me um but are still winnable because I see um what I know our offense is capable of and what we've been able to do with a you know mid to lower tier defense um this team is not very far away from that 2020 super bowl team so uh that's all i'm going to say about it i i think 13 and 4 12 and 5 that's right in that range where i feel like we're going to be competing for the number one seed if we get it you know great if we don't um i'm not that worried 
I would I would agree. I think after seeing some of the things that more most specifically our rivals have done, like the Raiders who just cut a first or second round pick in Alex Leatherwood and eat $8 million in cap for no reason uh, to see Tim Patrick go down in Denver. Um, even though the teams in our division have picked up really good players, I still see them being the inconsistent dumbasses that they have been for the last uh, 10 years, I feel 20 years. I don't know. Since Peyton was in Denver, like there really hasn't been that much competition. And um, I I have to make a change to what I originally said. I had us winning uh, 10 games uh, previously. Um, had us, yeah. Uh, had us winning 10 games. Now I've got us winning 12. I think with some of the injuries, um, looking to see how incompetent some of these teams are. And um, like, we're going to have those iffy losses. Like I still have us losing to the Colts in, in week three, because that's just what the chiefs do. You just, you play to your competition. Sometimes it gets the best of you and you pick it up and you move on. I've got us winning 12 games, uh, winning the AFC West for a seventh consecutive year and taking the number one AFC West seed into the playoffs, most likely going to be a three seed uh, going into there. I think if it lines up the way a lot of people are predicting it, I've seen multiple people have it like Chiefs 13 and four, um, Chargers at like 10 or 11 wins, Broncos right underneath that, and then the last um, team in our division being nine and eight. Um, you know, we could AFC West could very easily send four teams to the playoffs. Don't don't count that out by any means. Um, you know, NFC West is another one that I feel like is a good candidate to 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 you know bring four teams to the playoffs. Maybe okay, all right. I I see the look I'm getting from Sean, and you know, Seattle. You know they they got pieces, um, and the NFC is not very talented. So who is their quarterback? Geno Smith. Geno Smith, st- baby. Yeah. That's your answer right <laughs> it's, there. It's not. It's, it's not, not Drew Locke. It's not Drew Locke. It's Lock, gonna Gino be Drew Smith. Locke at some point. That is a that is well, yeah, that is fair. What, surprisingly enough, uh the 49ers would not trade Jimmy Garoppolo to uh an in division rival, uh, which is ironic uh and just wild how that whole situation turned out. Do not expect Seattle to make the playoffs in any shape or form. I would, I would expect all four teams at an NFC least to come out and go into the playoffs <laughs> before I would expect Seattle to even sniff the air at a winning season. Well, I think I was mainly just trying to say that the <laughs> NFC West is another talented division in the they are. football. Okay? They are. I will give that to you. They are. I think I, I, we. It's been very close, though. Um, at, you know, as you're as you had stated, the NFC sending four teams to the playoffs. It's been very close every single year. I think that like you are right. I think the AFC West has a realistic chance more than any other time before this season, given the quarterbacks that are there, even though Derek Carr is really not that good and his brother needs to be fired from his job. Sorry, not calling for anybody to be fired. Yes, I am. Um, (laughs) 
you know, Derek Carr's not that good, but he's got Devontae, and they've got good running backs in the backfield. And the offensive line is okay. The defense is getting better. I think they've got a, a fairly solid head coach. You've got the Chargers who are coming up. You've got Russell Wilson in Denver, even though Pat, Tim Patrick goes down and, and losing a couple other pieces here and there. Um, like they've got good enough players and, and coaching staffs to come in and be able to make that happen. I think the AFC West has a realistic shot of being the first division to be able to make that happen. For sure. If if the Broncos get their stuff figured out, there's a lot of like Colin Coward is really big on the Broncos right now. Um, even more so than the rest of the NFL media uh, trying to pump up the chargers every year. Um, but like if the Broncos get it figured out, if Russell Wilson is able to do his thing in Denver, like they're, they're, they're a pretty scary team. Like I'll, I'll admit that. Um, to be fair, there's, take, there's talent everywhere. Take everything Colin Coward says with a grain of salt. The man is really good at what he does, and that's just creating clickbait. That's all he does. He's good for nothing else. You um, also have to remember that the Broncos are in with a first-time head coach, first-time offensive and defensive coordinator. Most definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a definite big one. Um. With that said, we've got the Chiefs all making the playoffs here. Sean, what what do you got? What do you what do you think? I'm right there at 13 and four for the season. Uh, it seems like there's going to be a few letdown games, but that happens every year with the Chiefs. They're going to be going on a long run, at least five wins. That happens every year. Andy's been there. They're going to ten plus wins easily, yeah. no matter what. Uh-huh. For some reason, I'm more at ease after the 53-man roster has come out than I was uh, uh, post-draft. Um, so uh, it seems these guys, especially going to camp, seeing them whipped into shape a little bit, ready to go. Uh, we've seen what we needed, too, from the from the preseason and from camp. Um, so we've got all got the Chiefs coming out, number one, in AFC West. Uh, how do we think the AFC East is going to shape up? Obviously, the Bills. I don't think there's really a question about that. Do we see Miami making the playoffs or New England making the playoffs? I mean, not with the way Mac Jones. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Mac Jones had some clips. He's this so bad, man. He's so bad. <laughs> um, I, I would, I would have to go Dolphins over Pats. Um, as who has the chance to make the playoffs? Um, but. You know, Bills are definitely going to win that division. Do we think that Skylar Thompson's going to be the number one quarterback by the end of the season? I'm sorry, who? Quarterback out of K State came out in the preseason and was just rocking it. For what team? For Miami. Talking about? For Miami. Oh. Yeah, he come out over Tua. Can you think? Because I don't, I, I don't know. I think there's been, a other than a couple of throws to, from Tua to Tyreek. I have not paid attention to them. There's been a ton of hype around Sky. I've made a, I've made an because... effort to ignore all their shit. That's so. Fair. That's, <laughs> fair. that's fair. Um, there has been a social media overblowing of Skylar Thompson. He was actually really good at Kansas State. Um, probably one of the best quarterbacks. Get not the best. One of the best of uh, quarterbacks to come out of Kansas State. Uh, Skyler Thompson or Colin Klein? Skyler. 
Colin, Colin Klein should have never been up for the Heisman vote. I I mean, what are we doing folks? I have too many K-State friends that say that he should have won the Heisman and he got gypped by Johnny Manziel and Manti. Stop it, please. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. I do think that there is a possibility if Sky, uh, Skylar Thompson gets into a game, I think there's a possibility he could overtake to a four, the QB one spot. I think you, th- I think you think he gets, uh, you think he get gets Alex Smith. Like Tua goes down, Thompson comes in and he's just like, all right, this is our guy. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were, I thought you were talking about Alex Smith in Washington. I think yeah. it's possible no, no, no. given no, no. the, given the questions around Tua this entire off season by media and players that he that are on his team given they're not saying that uh over the over the radio waves and the t in the tv channels and things like that like they're not putting out that information but there are definite questions behind uh behind the scenes i mean their their owner was perjuring and tampering at trying to get tom brady they were about to uh trade for deshaun watson had he been able to settle earlier um, they, they would have brought him in during the season last year. So I think there are a lot of things behind the scenes that it could end up, hey, two is out. Let's see what Skylar Thompson can do before the end of the season. And I'm, isn't Tua injury prone? Like he hasn't played a full season yet. Uh, Tua correct? has not played a full season in his first year. Uh, it, it was Fitz Magic that was in. And then uh, he obviously had the uh, hip dislocation fracture that came uh, at Alabama. Um, last year there were still questions about it, got benched a couple times. He did uh, have an injury. So he hasn't played a full season, but it's, again, it's only been two years. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think uh, just with the level of talent, there's an expectation there. I think the Dolphins can compete for a playoff spot. Um, but I think it's that division outside of the Bills is going to be mostly a dumpster fire like it's been for a while. So yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive, but um, – Given their history, that's not a very hot take. The Jets finish over. over the Patriots. How about that? It's not a hot I take. <laughs> Come on, it's possibly a hot take. It is possibly a hot take. AFC. I mean, North. not with the way Mac Jones is playing. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, AFC North. Um, Baltimore and Cincinnati are coming out of there. Like Cleveland, really doesn't have a shot with Deshaun out for eleven games. Pittsburgh has no idea who's playing quarterback. It's either a bust or a dude with small hands. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really. <laughs> didn't I mean? Didn't Mitch make a couple of impressive throws this off this preseason though? Like, like <laughs> I will say this: AFC North dog. is always competitive. Like it, the yeah. teams at the bottom beat the teams at the top sometimes. Like this, this, this conference is always competitive. Um, so I, I, I do think vying for the top spot, vying to win the, to the, win the division is going to be, um, Baltimore and Cincinnati, but I mean, don't, don't sleep on either team, any of the, any team in this, in this division. The Steelers Uh, made the playoffs last year with big Ben. Exactly. They're not making it this year. Um, their quarterback is going to be a lot more competent than big Ben last year. Do you think fair. more competent, or you think they're going to be able to move a little just, bit, just as bad, but in different ways. different ways? <laughs> I think I think Pittsburgh takes third and just misses out on the playoffs. Personally, 
um, going into another crapshoot, probably the biggest dumpster fire there is in the AFC. We've got the AFC South, uh, Houston, Tennessee, Indy, Jacksonville. Um, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring for a dark horse. Houston comes out winning Please. the AFC South. What? No. <laughs> You're just <laughs> giraffe, giraffe man, Davis Mills, Lovey Smith getting it done down in down in Houston. Lovey Smith. Tennessee's I... defense has been obliterated. Their offense is no more. Um, I, I see a big regression for the likes of Derrick Henry uh, coming off the Liz Frank injury. I just, as a running back who totes the rock 30 times a game, I don't see that being very feasible moving forward and losing A.J. Brown. I think they lose their entire offense. Trey Burks has been injured seven times in the span of four mo- three, four months since the draft. Um, he almost quit during pre or OTAs. So I, yeah, I don't, uh, Ty, I don't Ty Bob is basically giving you unsolicited fantasy advice, fade Derrick Henry and the Tennessee offense. You're welcome. <laughs> Super fade Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Dude. Hey, Malik Willis looks nice. He'll be their start. He'll be their starter by the end of the season. You got to hope. Uh, <laughs> That's my um, pick. Who do you guys got coming out of the South? Man, I I don't oh man. That's big. That's some big regression you're talking about because Derrick Henry. I mean, were they just they were just the number one seed. Am I wrong? They were they, they just were went, they were, however, Derrick Henry went down um middle of the season, and again they did lose AJ Brown. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't see them. I don't see them falling out of playoff contention. I really don't. I think um, the race between the Colts and the Titans is going to be close. Um, but you cannot convince me that Houston and Jacksonville are going to get more than five or six wins this season. So <laughs> there's that. That's fair. The Colts. The Colts have a quarterback now that is not Carson Wentz. Well, he is ninety <laughs> years old. <laughs> it's not throwing that interception knows how on to the blow two yard line. So. That, that's fair. I'll give you that. Twenty-eight to three. Yes. <laughs> Don't remind. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, we'll, we'll jump down to the NFC. Uh, starting off in the NFC least, um, I'm actually going to pull two to go to the playoffs from the least this year. It's going to be Dallas and Philly. I think Philly's going to take the number one side, number one seed out of the East. They both of them went last year. So uh, not as profound as you might have thought. No, <laughs> definitely not profound. <laughs> I think I, I, I made a joke that said uh, NFC East was going to bring three teams to the playoffs this year. Um, they won't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Washington and New York both looked pretty bad um in the preseason um and it, i mean it's preseason but you like to think there you get some of an idea of what a team's going to look like um with that little glimpse of what the first teamers are doing um new york and washington are in rebuild mode um or like trying to find the right pieces because you can you can surround Carson Wentz with a certain level of talent. Um, you're not going to – just where he's at in his career, um, 
you're not going very far. Um, I think at best with Carson Wentz on your team right now, you're looking at a first round exit of the playoffs. So um, the, the giants have been a dumpster fire for a while. So just going to let that keep burning over there uh, and ignore it. Um, Dallas and Philly will be going to the playoffs. Sean. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, the move is Philly has made in this <laughs> offseason. They look tremendous with what the what they have on the depth chart. So, and the big move they just made today for Gardner Johnson from the Saints. It's a big move. Uh, we'll jump down to the or up to the north. Um, I'm going to say Minnesota comes out with the number one seed. Kirk's probably got a little bit of a fire under his butt. Um, knowing that he's probably out after this season. Uh, new head coach, new regime, everybody's going to feel a little bit different uh, and more antsy to get some dubs. Uh, give me Green Bay to take the two. And uh, with a surprising shock, man, I love Dan Campbell. I don't <laughs> think that Detroit is filled with a bunch of, like, a bunch of talent, a bunch of guys who would individually shine but i think given dan campbell's ability to bring the guys together and like give them that real like players mentality on the field and really he's much smarter than anybody gives him credit for i'm going to give detroit the three seed coming out of uh the the nfc north i don't think they're gonna have uh a lot of competition for that three spot. The Bears probably won't yeah. put up much of a fight this year. <laughs> um, I do agree with you. I think this is this is the year that Minnesota unseats Green Bay atop this division. Um, I think Green Bay as a whole got um, a couple of things off the field to work through. <laughs> um, but Minnesota has a really good team. Um, I think if injuries don't you know, obliterate them. Um, they're a better team than Green Bay. Yeah, the thing I'm thinking about this division is the Lions will actually surprise everybody this year. If you remember last year, I believe it was about nine nine of their 16 or 17 games, they were in it until the very last minute. So they're in all these games. I think they're going to surprise people and surpass the Packers at the very end, if anything. That's the wild take for this division. Okay. Still nobody's touching Minnesota. No. Minnesota will be on top this year. Their head coach doesn't hate their quarterback, so. Uh, we will jump down to the south. I don't think there's any real questions there. Um, last three, five. Um, I, think, I think it's just going to be Tampa Bay. I think everybody else misses. Um, I, Carolina will be close to being on that line. Um, I, New Orleans isn't going to do it. Jameis doesn't do it for me. Um, I, I would put Carolina probably on the over. It's going to be between them and Detroit to get in. This division actually has a lot of talent. Um, and I think the Falcons are on the outside looking in as far as how much talent they have. The Panthers, the Saints, the Buccaneers, they have dynamic guys on both sides of the ball. Um, the Bucks have had a lot of injuries and, and to the offensive line in an area where Tom Brady doesn't like getting pressure. Um, I feel like because of that and 
not necessarily anything else, um, the Bucks are going to struggle. Um, uh, I think they'll they'll fix it. They'll learn how to adapt. They'll do. They'll come up with something. They're they're too good of a football team not to. Um, but the Saints have an incredibly good defense. They have a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and like Jameis can win games. Like Jameis has 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 proven that. Like you know, he, if your number one guy goes down, he can come in and like play decent football. Um, when he has the when he has the reins of the team, I know um, down in Tampa Bay he threw a lot of interceptions. Um, but I think Jameis is a little bit more mature. Um, the Saints are really, really talented. The Panthers are really, really talented. The Falcons are talented, but they have Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um, <laughs> he's the guy I really don't have any faith in. Um, have way more faith in Jameis than I do Mariota. Um, I think um, for as bad as I think the NFC is, um, the NFC South is kind of sneaky sleepy and they could, um, you know, two, possibly even three teams within playoff contention. I think um, Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons. Yeah, I have the Saints in the hunt till the very end of the season. Panthers, they'll probably fall off midway. I just don't trust Matt Rule and his coaching over there. And the Buccaneers, Tom Brady always figures it out by the end of the year. Moving expect into... them to be a little rocky. Like, expect people to talk about them, I feel yeah. like. Um, but I don't think they lose this division. No. That's fair. Uh, given our last one, it's the NFC West. Um, I, I don't think anybody unseats the Rams. I think they're the clear-cut winners there. Um, and then easily Arizona is going to make it out as well. Yeah, I think uh, once – I mean, once D-Hop comes back, um, I think Arizona is going to hit a stride. Um, you know, maybe maybe they have some problem incorporating um, two receiving threats like that in that offense. Um, but, you know, they're super talented. They're kind of a scary team. Um you know, uh, I'm waiting for the tape to be out on Trey Lance. I don't necessarily have a whole lot of confidence in that choice for the 49ers. Like, I think you know what you're going to get with Jimmy G as a, as a as a game manager. And it's, you know, it's proven that it can get you to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. Um, I think you're going to see some a figuring out process, a little bit of a drop-off with Trey Lance um, initially. Um, so I, I think it's Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks. Yeah, I got uh, Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks. I Cardinals lost uh, Chandler Jones on defense. They always start off hot. They go down. They don't get D-hop back until, what, week eight, week nine? Um, oh, it was six. Isn't it a six-game yeah, suspension? Yeah, week seven. Six-game suspension. Yeah. Week seven, then. Uh, Niners. If they have Trey Lance doing anything that they say he can do, their offense is going to be even more dynamic. Their defense is still outstanding. They shut out the Packers last year in the playoffs. Phenomenal to watch. Uh, they just they still look good. They have Jimmy G as a blanket in case anything does happen with Trey Lance down the road, though. So, 
competent quarterback to come in at the very end of the season. Fair enough. Fair point. Uh, rapid fire to finish this off. Who makes the Super Bowl and who is your winner? <laughs> You're going to make me say it. I'm going to make you say it because I'm going to make you say it. I'm going to say it too. I'm not trying to be cocky. But... Oh, I'm not going to say it. Jeez. <laughs> Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, and I really don't care who comes out of the NFC. If I got to say, um, for for the purposes of you know making a pick on this show, um, I'm going to really hope it's Tom Brady. Oh my God, I want I want Pat to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl so bad. I and cannot his career off. Oh my God, <laughs> that would <laughs> that would make me so happy. Shawnee boy, who are you taking? I go with the Chiefs winning it all. Uh, I want to say the Cowboys. They have all the talent, but I just don't see McCarthy leading them all the way there. He's gonna have to. He's gonna. Then why did you even bring it up? Why did you even bring it up? <laughs> he's gonna have to smash a lot of watermelons for them to make the Super Bowl next year. Like, you think any Cowboys fans are listening to this, just getting their hopes up? Like, yeah, Sean no, thinks I'm just, good enough to make it. No, not at all. I'm just looking at the <laughs> NFC, and I just there's not a team that's jumping out. I, don't, I think the Rams will regress a little bit. I want the Bucks just so we can beat Tom Brady, but I'm trying to spread it out a little bit. We already got one Bucks right there, so. I'm gonna have to take the Bills. I see. I I think it's I think it's Josh Allen's year. Um, I don't really man, think it's questionable. Jesus Christ! It sucks, I man. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. This is a Chiefs podcast. Is it not? This is a Chiefs podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always gonna be uh, the pessimistic one, though. Um, I, I just think it's Josh Allen's year. They brought in Von Miller, a guy to lead that defense. It's a very solid team. Uh, they really haven't lost many pieces. Uh, they brought in a bunch of young guys as well. Um, I just think it's it's Josh Allen's year to get it done. And sadly, it sucks to say this because I really want it to be Pat, but he's going to defeat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and send him packing up home to Giselle Bills where Bucks. he will reside <laughs> and uh, Tom Brady will never be heard from outside. I will say that that Bills defense looks nasty like Kyir Elam back there um, on the opposite side of Trey White like that defense looks nasty my boy it does I have it my does. family has a huge tailgate for the Chiefs Bills game this year it'll be a good one a lot of content coming from Chiefs game because <laughs> Tybo will be there. That'll do it for us today. We've got our picks in. The season is ready. Make sure to join us in a little over a week. Again, that episode will come out on Friday. Uh, that will be the 9th, so be ready for that and for the game that will happen on the 11th. Until next time, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.